When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome back to the Winning Plays Podcast. I am Rich Levine. He is Brian Robb. For the seventh straight year, the Boston Celtics are in the playoffs. This year, they are the seventh seed. They are currently seven and a half point underdogs in game one against the Nets. B-Rob, is this a, a seven game series? Is, is this what the, the cards are telling us? The universe. I, I, I'm actually surprised it's only seven and a half points, to be honest, given the uh, given the Celtics' inconsistency over the last two months. I mean, are they the worst? They're probably the team that's been playing the worst heading into the playoffs in both conferences, right? Like no one's had like a, a tougher think, end to the year than them. Is that is that fair to fair to acknowledge? Uh, I think the other seven, the seventh seed in the West hasn't been great. That's true. I mean, that's true. <laughs> I wonder what the the records are there. I didn't. Did you watch the, that whole game? I only. I wasn't able to stay up for the end of it. Um, I did. I have. I have the three hour advantage on you. So yeah. Yeah. So I, you got the edge there. I, I fell asleep for like ten minutes. I think in like the third, late third, early fourth, and then woke up and and caught the end of it. Um, it, it was frustrating. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> it was like your last year take would have been like just one year late, essentially. But by the way, I've thought about that a few times. Uh, over the last few weeks, and my take last year that which remind where the take was that the Lakers were going to miss the playoffs <laughs> uh, prior to the pandemic, prior to the to the season shutting down and LeBron getting to rest for a few months and all that. But what happened this year is essentially what I, I thought would happen last year. And again, who knows? They still could make a run uh, to wherever this year. But they were on the verge a, a LeBron prayer from from you know, having to play Memphis for the eighth seed, which at that point, who knows what, what they would have done. But let's talk about the Celtics and enough Lakers talk. Um, here's yes. my first, here's my first question. Yeah, what's your initial, initial, initial thoughts here right now? So my, my initial thoughts are, are three thoughts. Okay. Uh, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant and James Harden. Um, just, just real quick. How do you foresee the matchups? I guess you got, you have Kemba on Kyrie. Not a great matchup, but at least physically and whatever, I think that that right. works. You have Marcus Smart on James Harden, and then is Jason Tatum getting the call on Kevin Durant? Is is that the are those the, is that the matchup? I would have to think so because Evan Fournier is certainly not going to like. That's not a call that he wants to answer. I think. I mean, he's going to everyone. The bottom line is everyone's going to spend time on everyone because I think there's going to be at least parts of games where they're going to they're going to have to do some switching as long as, you know, Kemba isn't the, the target time in and time out. That's, that's what could take him out of it. But yeah, like everyone, but I think Tatum has to take that responsibility. Cause I think that there's no one else. I mean, I guess the only alternative is, is if, if you could, I mean, Fournier, do you put Fournier on Irving or, mm. or Harden either, which I don't think necessarily is a good matchup either. So I, I think what you have, Joe, Har- Joe Harris feels like a good matchup for for Fournier. I mean, there's no there's no great there's matchups. no good matchups. 
when, you, when you're looking at the the like arguably the greatest offensive team in, in NBA history and in a super small sample size, but certainly the there's a bigger there's a bigger sample size when you look at the careers of everyone involved. Um, yeah, and then I I think even though it would seem that that Rob is going to try to give it a go, I I'm, would. Uh, yeah, so he didn't practice Thursday. Brad Stevens said he doesn't going to practice today. And I look at the calendar of the two days between the first game one and game two and game two and game three. And w- what do you do with him there? Do you say, hey, let's try to like buy a couple more days of rest so you don't come back game one and then just be, you know, it doesn't work and then you're, you're cooked. Like maybe get to a level where you're there. Or is it a situation where, okay, like we need him from Jump Street to even have a chance. We don't want to go down 2-0 and, you know, be get blown out by 40 a combined 45 points and then be like, okay, Rob, now, now give it a go when the series is essentially over already. Like what's, I don't know what the balancing act is there. Yeah. And, and again, if, it, if we, if we were talking about Rob from six weeks ago, from, from eight, from two months ago, if that was the guy that was going to be out there, then yeah, maybe you, you would say, okay, let, let's, let's get him out there in game one. But the even the Rob that you're getting, if he plays, is just such a, a downgraded version of himself um, I kind of like the idea of, of maybe giving him a, a, an extra few days rest. And then maybe like, even, again, even if you get blown out, you know, you could come home, come home in game three and be like, okay, at least we still have, there's still a Rob coming to, kind of right. coming to come about. Right. right. Um, I think that, cause I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It's such a tough, it's, it's, it's a predicament for sure. You've just convinced me. Maybe you hold them, hold them out for for a game or two. Because I don't think whether you, whether you lose by forty, whether you lose by five, it's it's still just a game. You can still, as Doc Rivers and everyone else says, the series doesn't start till the home team loses a game. You can still rest on that until you get the game three, and maybe you, you get a little bit better rested, Rob. But um, I, I don't think even in the best case, you're not going to get the Rob that 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 we've fallen in love with over the past you know year and a half at least. Um, so I don't know. It's just another bummer. But for for game one, assuming just just with reality, I think you got to you, you you assume that Tristan and, and DeAndre is the matchup there. I'm curious to see what they do with their center rotation to Brooklyn in this series, since like you know we haven't seen like DeAndre was in and out of the rotation at the end of the year, and you'd expect him. You know he's gonna he's gonna play, but it actually might be in some situations, a net win for the Celtics if he does, since that's someone you can, you can clearly pick on defensively in the pick and roll. And, and guys like, like Nick Claxton for them just seems to be a lot better. And then I don't know if they, if, if they just want to go small ball Blake at the five right out of the gate. Um, so yeah, Claxton's if, like, Claxton's like their Rob. Right. Right. Exactly. Just the guy who, I mean, they're a lot better defensively with him on the floor, just goof his better mobility and stuff. And then he's been a great finisher in the, in a pick and roll with whoever he runs with, whether it's Harden or, or Kyrie, et cetera. So you, it, it, it's, it's just like, you just go down the, the matchups in the whole series, Rich. And it's like, all right, where's, where's that one edge for the Celtics here. And it's really hard to find one like okay, oh, bench, like, no, like starting five, like any of those matchups, like, yeah, like if you're going to go Tatum versus Durant, like Tatum does not have that edge. And then you go on down the board, like, who do you want to have Joe Harris or Evan Fournier? You probably want to have Joe Harris. And yeah. granted, his role is a lot easier. He's, you know, they're not asking him to do nearly as much, but when you put in, you know, you, you look one through five there and, and six through 10. So yeah, maybe, maybe Brad Stevens has the edge over Steve Nash here. 
Um, yeah, I think that, that's I think that's the that's that's might be the safest check mark in the Celtics column in this series, and that and that is why they are easily the biggest underdog of any first round matchup um, in either. Maybe conference. the Celtics have the advantage of not having Jeff Green. Yeah, so that's. I actually wanted to bring up Jeff Green, and we're gonna get to five questions about. He's this gonna series. he's gonna hurt. He's gonna he's gonna kill at least one or two games. He's gonna kill the Celtics, and it's gonna be just triple frustrating. So I I agree. Like he's he's slowly turned into a uh, not a Celtic killer, but like minimum level guy, veteran guy. You know, whether it was in Cleveland a couple years ago or or this year now, like this is this is a pretty good bang for your buck. And it's kind of nuts to think that the he was so bad for the Jazz. Um, I think I don't know. It was last year, two years ago, that they straight up just like waved him in the middle of the year. Um, but yeah, last the, year, yeah, last finished, year he finished with Houston. Oh my god, right. he's for so many. Teams. I know it is. It's like he go look this up while I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm got it up right now. Um, What's the question? So here's the thing. So the, well, here's like what what do you make of Jeff Green's like? What is Jeff Green's career going to be remembered for? Like at the end of the day, like if is he able to resurrect his career enough as like a a good journeyman vitamin minimum guy to like wash away over all the expectations that fell short here. Or is he still always going to be that Jeff green that like, whether it was here, or OKC or, you know, Orlando, every pretty place he went up until a couple years ago, just <laughs> what, what's, what's the final verdict on Jeff green going to be? Yeah, It might, you know, when you play for 10, 10 different teams, 11 different cities, if you count Seattle and OKC, it might just depend where you live, like what, what time zone you're in when you when you ask the question. But I mean, you know, this this is and, and I think honestly, at the end of the day, and I, this is a little corny, but I think that Jeff Green seems to be happy with himself finally, which is which is cool. I don't I don't necessarily think that he was a guy that that wanted that burden of, of, of being a, a star. And because you say it's funny you say that like he um he's become sort of a Celtics killer and he's kind of, he, he was always that guy that you, you know, you got the sense that when he wanted to, right. When he decided I, today I'm going to be a dominant NBA player, he, he kind of could do it. Like he had, he had all the tools and maybe, you know, the Celtics, maybe there's that leftover sort of, you know, feeling that he's got that when he sees Boston on the other side of the court, he wants to step up a little bit and, and be the best version of himself. Um, but yeah, no, I know. I think he'll, he'll be, he'll be remembered as a solid NBA player. You know, he's played again ten to ten teams. We've got, I mean, he's thirty-four, about thirteen seasons, give or take one or two, and averages. I mean, even this year, right? On on, and we're talking about again one of the best offensive teams ever, right? He averaged, you know, eleven points a game, eleven points and four four rebounds. And that's what he does. Like for his career, he's 13 points, four and a half rebounds. I mean, that's that's pretty solid. What, what do you think his career points are? Does he have 10,000 points, you think? Yeah. Yes. That'd be 12 guess. and a half. 12,000. Wow. I mean, he's been around the block. Good for Jeff. He's going to be, he's going to drive me nuts over the next four, <laughs> five, six games. He's going to um, get a lot of open shots. And, but... and, and can I say this real quick before we move on forever from Jeff Green? <laughs> Is that no matter how well he plays, I, there is not going to be a point where I will be like, ah, oh, man, I wish we still had that guy. Right. Yeah. That's, I guess that I could have should cut to that question. Like, does, does anything you've seen in the last couple of years, which, oh, that'd be a nice, you know, veteran no. tag. No. So that's, that's fair. And so here's a, uh, here's a nice number from John Schumann at NBA.com who had a great breakdown. Of, By the way, great article. I thought. Yes. Great, great. He's always great for stats. Um, 
um, to break down these series or just nuggets in his power rankings every week. So definitely check him out on the regular. But he had a really interesting time. I think this is probably what the, the Celtics coaching staff has circled in their you know pregame sky report. Um, so Jeff Green has defended 114 ISO possessions this year, which is the second most in the league. And on those, he ranks 81st out of 87 players in the NBA. And that's followed up by Blake Griffin, who's ranks 86th of 87th out of <laughs> players who've, who've got at least 50. So, so I guess the, um, if you're looking for what the Celtics are going to try to be doing here, whether it's DeAndre Jordan on the floor, Jeff Green, Blake Griffin, offensively, I think that the, the game plan is pretty simple here is to find those guys, hunt them. And whether it's Tatum, Fournier, Kemba, if he has it going, just like really try to punish that matchup because, um, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what the, we'll see the level of engagement from Kyrie and Harden defensively. That'll be a, I'll be an interesting proposal, but in terms of just like weak links on the, on the floor to go after, there should be plenty to pick from here for, for the Celtics perspective. Yeah. And I was wondering, I, I, I don't know, maybe Harden didn't play enough to defend at least 50, but I would be interested to see what his, where, where, where he was on that, on that list. But yeah. And, 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 and again, like it's, unfortunate because i mean not just the celtics but any team is better when you're just moving the ball right ball movement is big and i know and, and he had another uh john schumann had another uh stat in there about the, the lack of ball movement for the celtics this year that i think yeah. they i think they were like 18th in the league in ball movement but and and now you're like you're saying okay that the what you need to do to sort of beat this nets team is sort of to force isolations which is kind of like a tricky trap to maybe fall into um but yeah i again like you said this is a this is a heavily underdog celtics team again what what brad stevens has in his career college or nba has sort of thrived when when he's at his biggest disadvantage it would seem um but yeah no and, and it's like you said kemba and, it, and that sort of leads to how important it is that kemba is the guy that we saw against Washington and when he was at his best, even Washington, maybe the volume was a little bit too high, but maybe that's what he has to do with Jalen out. But like, it's going to take, it can't just be, you're not going to count on Tatum to, to, to score 50 every game. He very, he very well could, <laughs> he could average 40 points a game in this yeah. series. I don't necessarily know. Going to stop him. You're going to need a, a second guy to step up and be a top notch NBA scorer. And if it's not Kemba, you're, you know, either counting on, maybe a little too much from Fournier. You're asking Marcus to sort of step into that other identity, which doesn't always go well for the Celtics. Um, so Kemba, yeah. And, and it's funny, I don't, did you did you happen to catch that? I want to say that Kyrie called out Kemba, but did you see that that video clip of him saying that he wants the, the Kemba Walker, Walker matchup? No, I didn't see that. Yeah, there was some clip. I don't even know what it was from. It looked like it was from like an Instagram live with some some random person. I'm not sure, but he was he was sort of playing up the like the New Jersey versus New York, you know, where they're both from, yep. and saying that like that's always the matchup that 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 he thrives on. And I'm sure the fact that you know Kemba replaced him in Boston and all that, who knows like how 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 personal Kyrie takes all that and how badly he's gonna want to. Get out because this is his first time in front of the fans in Boston. Once we get the game three, too. I mean, who knows if if they're up 2 0, maybe he finds a reason to sit out game three. <laughs> but it seems that like that that Kyrie is going to be pretty fired up for the Kemba matchup, and hopefully Kemba is equally fired for for Kyrie because, like I said, they 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 need all star all star Kemba and nothing less. No, no question about that. So the um, I guess the other 
Well, when you when going back to like the ISO stat we were talking about too, I think, and we saw this in the you know the first half of the the Wizards game. Like I think the Celtics had six assists or something, you know, absurdly bad. So the, just finding the right balance of being like, okay, we want ISO here, but then we want to do it so they collapse on us, and then we move the ball three times and get a good look. It's like finding that mix that the Celtics really haven't been able to find all year of like the you know taking advantage of massive force the defense to adjust and then get open shots out of that like against against a bad Brooklyn defense you should be able to do that if you are you know pushing the right buttons there and so again that comes down to good decision making from Tatum from Kemba Smart Fournier all everyone just has to be kind of on the ball with that and then you know you give yourselves a chance to at least you know in to run up the horses if if you if you get Brooklyn on a bad shooting night um whether well, that or not whether or not is realistic or not um, remains to be seen. Well, it's interesting. You, you that that leads to what I wanted to say next is this was another stat from that article is that, uh, and this leads to what we were talking about at the very beginning of how they might match up defensively is that Brooklyn played against 367 total possessions of zone this year, which was the second most in the league, which you understand because there are a lot of teams. <laughs> Granted, they didn't have all three guys for, for, for all but eight games. But when you look even without that, you look at this team and you're like, okay, how are we going to match up? So Brooklyn played against uh, the second most uh, zones in the league this year. Uh, the 0.97 points per possession ranked 18th. So are we going to see some zone defense? We got it, right? You're right. You're going to see the kitchen sink here because you're going to throw like they're going to start man, I would guess. I would say mix in zone periodically just to kind of like confuse or like yeah, throw yeah. them off for here and there. So you have to and they'll, they'll figure it out quickly. But again, any any kind of possessions where you can buy, um, you know, just bring up the flow is going to be a thing. And then maybe they just you're like, okay, are we just going to bet on like Landry Shamit and Jeff Green to have bad shooting nights? And that's what you kind of do with a zone. And that might be a better bet than, you know, betting that you can, you can try to slow down Durant and Harden in isolation, which is, you know, we know is not going to, um, generally does not go well, but I mean, we'll see. Well, the, like it's, uh, again, they, those guys haven't played together at all. So maybe you, you get them a little bit out of the game. I think game one will be an interesting opportunity for that in terms of like, you know, you at least have the the game a few nights ago to get into the, the playoff mode and they are still kind of, you know, really haven't played together beyond just one game, that whole crew. So it'll be I'll say they're they're combustible. They're uh, combustible. I yeah, like it's, it's like like there's not it's not likely, but like you know, you, you talk about some other teams like if you're going to go up against Milwaukee or even like Miami, those te- I think you're gonna get where you're gonna get. You don't there, there's still that chance, especially anytime that Kyrie is involved. Anytime when you, when you have a situation right when they've only played eight games together, there is a a chance that if you can catch them the right, if if the universe uh, decides it, that that th- this team could really just flop, go belly up. You still get you get you get Nash in his first year there too, his for his first playoffs. So there there still is that, and they and again, if you can come out and and, and grab them in game one, smack them in the face right out right off the bat, or just put a then, scare into them, like at least make it interesting. Yeah, because again, it's the, it's the first. This is the, it would be their first scare, <laughs> yeah. like as a, as a unit. And and again, you know, I don't. But the thing that that worries me a little bit is, uh, it's and again easier said than done. But how much Harden seems to have embraced like the facilitator role here. Yeah, like that's the one thing you say. Well, yeah, there's not there's only one ball, not enough shots for all three of these guys. But it seems that Harden might be content averaging thirteen assists a game and not 
shooting as much as he had. And I think when it comes down to it, like he's still going to, he's still going to take some shots. He will, he will, he will break your neck if he, if he needs to. Um, but I don't think you got to worry about those guys fighting over the ball. It seems like Harden, especially with, with the way his season has gone, that he's he's not looking to come in and be James Harden from Houston. He j- he just wants to be a facilitator. He, he he's fine being like a third banana, almost like he was with 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 Russ and and KD back in OKC. Right, and that's when things get super scary because you don't. There's no way to guard everyone on the court when he's happy to be in that role. So, and you have the best three point shooter. Yeah, you're the best three point shooter. The best you know pure scorer, and, this, and then a guy who just put up 50, 40, 90 in Kyrie. Like flanking him, so and as, yeah. And as Showman said as well, like in his better days, the number one field goal percentage, DeAndre. Yes, scored. right. <laughs> We're just like, yeah, DeAndre's washed up. But he also is shooting like seventy-seven percent from the field. So again, not not a lot of weak spots offensively, and then you have some real, not like strong firepower off the bench, but guys that are better than you have off the bench um, on top of it. So, all right, let's go to. I got five questions here for us to dissect, um, and then we'll, we'll round things up with predictions. Um, at the end here, uh, first one, Jason Tatum in this series, Rich, we're going to, I'm going to put over under on shot attempts at 27, 27 shot attempts per game. Are you going over or under? And what is that a good or a bad thing? If he, you know, goes over and or like, what's, what's your interpretation of, of that, um, lofty? Yeah. Uh, so Hold on. I'm taking a deep breath while my box score loads here so I can see something. So 32 field goal attempts against Washington in that 50 point right. game. Um, 17, 17 from the line. That I, I, I would like to see 27 foul shots a game. I think that would, that, that, that would, be, that would be a way to. <laughs> that was a career high, by the way. 17 makes. Well, yeah, right. And, it, and it's funny in a 60 point game, he was 15 to 17. So 17 attempts seems to be the uh, a nice little goal. <laughs> That's a magic number. For- yeah. Um, I think I, I got to say it's over 27. I mean, I, I what else? I, I don't. And, and again, I've said this a few times in, in each one of those huge games that he's had, we're talking three 50 point games over the course of a season, which is just unbelievable. Uh, the only thing that's more unbelievable to me is just how casually, but how like kind of easy it is. It, just it always seems within the flow. You know, it never necessarily feels like he's forcing it in those games. And I think the opportunity will be there. So like he had in the 60 point game, he was 20 of 37. I'm looking at some of his bigger games. So like he had 38 against at Brooklyn where he shot right at 27. Yep. He had 44 against, against golden state in that home game. He shot 25. So yeah, so 27 seems to be right. And that, and, and some of these games as we're going back uh, further is with Jalen as well. So right. obviously he's not going to shoot. He wasn't going to shoot quite as much then. But yeah, I, I I just think he's got to come out and bomb it. Like what like what else? What would you prefer? Like who else? No matter how many times he shoots at thirty seven times a game, who else are you going to want to shoot? Is assuming he's not forcing it. Assuming it's not like, you know, you know the the worst of Kobe. Right. So uh, I, that's Kobe. exactly like that's the only time you don't want him getting this number. If, if he's seeing pretty hard doubles, like not right out of the gate, but like consistently all game, then yeah, you don't want him getting that twenty seven because you're better off getting open looks elsewhere. But Beyond that, like in terms of shot distribution of like where you want Jalen shots to go, you want the vast majority of those to go to Tatum. Kemba, yeah. Kemba volume wise, it's just not an efficient to have him shooting. I don't want him shooting 25 to 30. Like that's. And if Fournier, really... if Fournier is feeling it in one of those yeah, games. Yeah, Fournier's maybe. right. 
Yeah. But like beyond those two guys, like I definitely don't want them going to smart. No. All right, Marcus. Like that's just not the play. And yeah, like maybe, you know, Pritchard could go nuts on one of these games. Like you could see him or obviously Neesmith. But beyond that, there's literally no one here you want taking those shots if you're the Celtics. Um, again, assuming that Tatum is is not seeing the hard doubles. If it's if he does, then you want him to, you know, find the balance, not defer too often, but still like you don't want him pucking up fadeaway 20 footers against two guys all night. Um, but yeah, I think for the Celtics sake, you, you want that to be an over because you'd rather have the variation there than with other guys on the roster right now. And he's got to get to the line to 10 to double digits a oh, game. Yeah. Just, just has to, and, but that'd be interesting. I, that, that I hadn't quite, but it makes sense. Nets are going to play him from the start. If, if, because you would think they might be like, all right, we're not doing anything special. They're they're down they're down Jalen they're most likely down Rob. Let's just go out and play our game. Tatum's going to get his, but we're going right. to we have three Tatums on our team who can go and do the same thing. So let's just let's just play them straight up. But like if if they're if they don't want to fuck around in this series, if the Nets are really just looking to to deliver a knockout blow, I think they come out and and, and like you said, just trap or, or double Tatum, make life hard for him right away. And maybe knock him off his game, demand that some other people step up. And until they do, just keep doing that. But it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I'll be, I will see if Durant takes that challenge right out of the gate. Cause obviously that's the guy defensively that would, you know, would match up the best and has the defensive talent when engaged to, to make life hard for him in one on one situations. Um, okay, next question here Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant. Who they're all going to give this Celtics headaches in the series. Who's going to be the one guy, like more than anyone else, that the Celtics just don't? And again, a lot of this depends on matchups and stuff, but who is going to be the biggest headache for the Celtics in this series when all is said and done, knowing that um, all three of those guys can easily win a game by themselves when they have it going? Mm. So I think Kyrie's, Kyrie has the motivation to do it. I think he would love to to average 40 points a game in the series. Um and it'll be and I think I'm gonna go Harden though. Just to, just based off my 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 initial comments on him, I, I think he's he's ready to win. Mm-hmm. I really do. I I think, you know, of those, you know, he's the only one of the three without a title. He's the only one without like a really super decorated playoff career if you take out that Buck series for 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 Kyrie. Um I, I, yeah, I I just think that that because because we haven't seen him quite as much this year, you know, certainly I, I forget how much he actually missed with that with with a hamstring. Uh, I just think that he is going to just dominate this game in ways that we haven't you're not to- necessarily used to seeing him dominate. I think that he that he's going to be the backbreaker. He's gonna he's gonna be the guy that like when you when it seems like the Celtics are maybe making a run, like let's say they go down early, right? And it'll be one of those games when you come back and they get it to seven and then they get it to six and then they, then it goes up to 13. I feel like he's the guy that's going to break the back. Whether and not necessarily shooting. I just think whether it's getting to the hole and, and making the right pass, I just think I think he's the dude that's going to frustrate Celtics fans the most. What do you think? I'm going to go with Durant. I like all your, like, I just, with him just coming back from this injury, I wonder whether he's just going to ease his way in and defer to the other guys more. But again, that's him. He might be able to do all much as much damage as anyone else with just as a passer to your point. But for Durant, like, I just think that 
if Tatum's going to take this heavy burden offensively and is really the only guy that can guard Durant too, I think that's, that's going to be a really tough um, task for him. And so I just see, you know, whoever like in switches, whether he gets, you know, Kemba or Fournier in the posts, like we all saw what happens when Tristan Thompson tries to guard Durant in that first game of the, you know, the year. So it's (laughs) like, you look at just the options. I mean, who knows? Maybe they throw like if Neesmith guards him, he probably fouls out in like 10 minutes. Um, right. It's just like, you just, I mean, I'd rather have Shemmy file out in 10 right. or maybe not play at all, but that's, I know it. I, well, and we'll talk about the, the playoff rotation in a bit. Cause I think there are some, some interesting choices in that first, um, in the, in the playing game. Um, but yeah, I just think that Durant is, is just such a, a unicorn of a player. And for as much as, you know, Harden and, and Kyrie are going to be nightmares, I think matchup wise, he just takes the cake and unless the unless and Tatum just scares me in terms of like he's gonna probably be gas on the other end. So the one maybe shot in the dark for hope, I'm looking at KD's last like week or so of playing. Yeah. The three point shot's been off. Has it? A little bit. Like his last one, two, three, four, five, six games. Oh for four, three for six, one for one for two, oh for four, one for six, one for two. So I mean one for two isn't bad, but right. uh, there there are a few you know, the, the percentage is not that great over the last week or so. I don't know. I like, he could, he could obviously just go into the post and do whatever he wants. He's Kevin Durant, but <clears throat> at least he's not t- completely shooting the lights out quite right. yet. Um, all right. Next question here. Um, let's go. And Durant shooting. Oh, he's only, he's 53% from the 10 to 16 foot range, which is absurdly high and 49% from 16 feet to the three-point line. It's crazy to think that there's three. And he's he's fourth on the roster in that category. Harden, 57% from mid-range. Kyrie, 55% from mid-range. And Bruce Brown, who doesn't take much from out there, is also hitting 50%. And again, another guy we haven't brought up, but will be a nice thorn in the side of the Celtics all, all series. Especially a, when, uh, remember, he's, he's a Boston guy. Right. 100%. So that's... Um, Again, kind of cool. It's it's a great story, like for him, just to and probably one of the best moves of the season, assuming that he is a big contributor. That the Nets got him for absolutely nothing. Yeah, uh, what did the they Pistons. give? What did they give to trade? Anything? They gave a second round pick, and uh, and like like one of those one of their international players who didn't amount to anything. So pretty much that's free. That, that's that's one of those trades that like you look when if you want to nitpick Danny Ainge, and it's more than nitpicking when it comes to what this bench looks like right now. Like right. those are those are the kind of guys right. when you when you see Brooklyn pull, pulling off like that like like Bruce Brown would be our best bench player yeah like Bruce Brown like or no we got to save the spot for Carson Edwards and that's a question yeah. I mean this is a question it's funny like I asked at the, the, the pre the preseason press conference you know I just had a generic question of being like and a lot of people were asking Danny about the roster at that point just being like hey so are you guys going to add anyone else there and he's like. Like, no, we like, we love all these guys. Like, this is like, we have to give these guys opportunities and stuff. And, and you get that, but it's clear that they were in love with a lot of these guys at the end of the roster a little bit too much. And yeah. we know that, I mean, this is all going to change in the off season, but um, it's clear that to get a contender, you have to, again, find those Bruce Browns out there. And that's, that's kind of what, and that's been, that's a, been a, a, a huge part of their season. Yeah. 24 years old. Averaging five point five point four rebounds and twenty two point three. That's a guy yeah. that just 
I mean, he started a lot of games for them too, but that's the kind of aggression. Aggression, and I guess Neesmith can, brings that a little bit. He doesn't quite have the bulk of uh, of Bruce Brown. Uh, he's not as much of a banger, but yeah. Anyways, all right. Um, next question. We're gonna go to the uh, hypothetical here. Kyrie Irving, two years later, like what would life look like in Boston right now if Kyrie Irving was here? Who's here with him? Like, is is Brad Stevens here as he walked off the job? Like, what's what what would what, what you would you envision in terms of what that would have gone, knowing that things you know just how things ended at the end of that 2019 season? Yeah, I, I my first uh, reaction was like Durant would be here too. I think that those guys were playing together no matter what, and I think that was definitely something that was on the Celtics radar. Uh, they, they were, there's, there's no question that they knew that KD and Kyrie had planned to team up and were already, you know, making, you know, making plans, I think, to have Durant here. Um, would, would Brad still be here? Probably not. I don't think so. Who would be uh, on the roster too? Like just around yeah, those guys. No, that's, that's a good question too. I think that, I think that I, I wouldn't be shocked if they traded Jalen. Yeah. Right. Like, like Marcus, Marcus feels like a guy that's that still would be here, right? Um, Tatum, too. You would think so, right? Because that'd be on the rookie. There's, there's yeah. so many. There's so many sort of twists and turns of, of like how, like what it would have taken to to get Durant, right? Like, would you like you would have just let? I'm trying to think of how the years sort of matched up because Hayward, Hayward would have still been been here for one more year. Right, you probably would have jumped. You probably would have found someone to take Hayward, or you would have signed and traded him to like Golden State at that point. But again, he was coming off that rough year there, so um, the mechanics of that would have been really. There are ways to do it, but the mechanics of that actually coming together would have been really fascinating to see. Yeah, um, I would, yeah. I, and I and I wouldn't be shocked if if if, if someone like Nash was coaching either. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. I, I don't necessarily think that that was like a Kyrie KD pick, but it's it was something that. Uh, that that made sense, right? And I don't I don't know. There you don't you only have when you have a roster like that. Uh, there are only a, a few guys that are in the running. You're not really going to roll the dice on a, 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 a. It's funny. I was going to say you're not going to roll the dice on a rookie head coach, but that's exactly what Steve Nash is. Uh, obviously, <laughs> it's a little a little different when it when you're a Hall of Fame point guard. Um, but yeah, no. I, the one thing I'm pretty sure of is is if Kyrie was still here, KD would be in Boston as well. Um, would it all be worth it? I don't know. I, you know, I, when you when you see what Kyrie is still going through right now, and I think what he will go through for the rest of his career, just in terms of who he is, how he acts, what he says, and how that sort of works in Boston, um, I don't think like, it would have been fun. You know, maybe if all if all, all that matters is winning titles, like maybe it's worth it in the end. But like when you think about how hard it is to win a title and, and still even even with the Nets having Harden in this group, like that they still have a long way and they're still going to have to get really lucky over the course of the next two months to make it work. Like maybe at the end of the day, if you can win a title, it's worth it. But like for just the negativity and sort of just the just the, the just the level of discourse, I, I it would have been a it would have been pretty depressing for me personally just to just to witness <laughs> um so i don't know if it would have been it would, would have been worth it but certainly wouldn't be a seventh seed right now yes and so this is you know it's it's a fascinating sliding door situation um but like you said it's there would have potentially been a lot more 
headaches that came with it. And again, we'll see. Again, I, I think yeah, it probably looked a lot like the Brooklyn Nets right now. That's what the subs would be. And we'll find out, you know, whether or not that is the formula to a title right away or whether the the mix there isn't enough to get past some other juggernauts in each, each conference. Um, yeah, I definitely don't think Brad had any more Kyrie years left in him. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe, and you know, some people in, in Boston, maybe we would say that's a good thing if, if, if Brad was, would, took the Indiana job and, you know, if he was there now, um, I, I'd like to see what, what, what he could maybe do uh, still here in Boston, but he wouldn't, he would not be here. I don't think if Kyrie was. Yeah. That's so we'll see. We'll see the, the long term there in terms of what, what matches up in terms of both those guys scenarios but yeah this will be a very interesting season i mean a series for brad from a standpoint of pretty much playing doing it no no pressure no expectations just like what you'll go deep into the bag of trips tricks and see hey steal a game maybe steal two games if things go really crazy and then you know some better vibes heading into the off season um all right next question which Celtics role player exceeds expectations in this series. And it might be nobody. It could be a, <laughs> a, a nobody is a fair answer here. And I'm going to assume here, let's assume that Rob Williams is just not himself. Even if he, yeah. I assume he's going to, he's going to try to play at some point, but given how he looked and that wizards game and how much this has been bothering him, this is not an injury that just goes away easily. So it's hard for to see him making a really big impact with those injury concerns. So I imagine that Tristan Thompson's in the starting five here. And then you have Luke Cornett as your backup center. Um, if in case you're looking for an option. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, maybe, okay, maybe if they go with Blake, maybe that's where Grant. Yeah. But Grant, yeah. It's some minutes, but yeah, either way, not fantastic. I'm going with knees again with knee Smith. He was my prediction for the, for the play in uh, surprise hero. Didn't necessarily pan out. Although he played, I mean, Pritchard only played five minutes in that yeah. game which was wild. I mean, that's maybe that's going to be the case when you have the issue. Yeah. Problem. Yeah. Or yeah, that. And then when you have, you know, Kemba and Marcus and Fournier all in the mid thirties, maybe that's where, where Pritchard kind of loses out. But I think that this is going to be up and down high octane kind of game where the athleticism of Neesmith can kind of pay dividends where he's going to have a chance to, to maybe just get into a bit of a rhythm you know, just get out, just get out and run, hit some shots. And I think this is a chance. We talk about things that you could build on for the future in this net series. Uh, I, I, w- I want to see at least one or two games where I want to say that where Neesmith looks like he really belongs on the court with this, with, with not only with the Celtics, but against the Nets, against, you know, three, maybe four. Mike Blake's not a Hall of Famer, but we'll say three and a half Hall of Famers. Uh, and, you know, in the in the second best team in the conference, I think he's going to have his chance. Just given just the, the way the Nets play, where it's just going to be a shootout, you would imagine. I think Knees will get a chance to 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 have his, and that's my pick. I like it. How about you? I'm going a guy you just mentioned. I'm going Grant Williams here because okay. not not from and a guy who wasn't even in Brad Stevens' rotation against the Wizards, which was not a huge surprise given his issues with fouling this year and that team's propensity to get to the line. And they're so big and they're right? so big. Right. So like it, there was, you know, but against the, the equation changes against the nets from a standpoint, they're going to go small ball five a lot. And Tristan Thompson, 
against small ball fives, I think is not going to go well um, on a variety of fronts. And so you're going to have to, you're going to have to give Grant a chance here. And this is, I, I don't have a, a ton of confidence in him here, but I think just like, I'm looking at the up and down the roster. I'm like, I, who do I feel confident? Who's going to, who's going to play a lot in this series. And I think Grant over Shemi is, I think a better bet in this series um, from a defensive standpoint, from like, you know, just being able to like pass the ball and at least keep the, keep things flowing offensively. Something that Shemi doesn't really help with beyond, you know, he just is there to spot up and likely be ignored mostly. Um, and so, yeah, I think Grant gets a shot here. And so it's, it's for him, it's going to come down to, and to, to, can he just not foul? a ton. And that's something he really hasn't been able to do all year. I think John Tune had another one of these stats. I think he's has the highest, like the second highest foul rate per 36 minutes, like out of anyone in the NBA this year, that's at a, a certain threshold of minutes, which kind of just tells the story of his year of just not being able to put together, but he can hit threes. He can pass. And if he, again, if he can, this is, you know, this is a fresh start for him. And it's whatever, like we saw what he could do in that Toronto series last year and make some meaningful plays and and even stops and switches and stuff like that and so as far as guys that can hold their own there like you know we've seen him do it before and he's at least got a chance to do it here and against some smaller guys and we'll see if what 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 comes up but that's i think from a from a long-term solid standpoint that'd be a, a great guy to see you know kind of bounce back this year after really taking a step back on the floor for most of the year yeah and even again even if it's if it just ups his value a little exactly bit. Right. <laughs> right. Like that's you. I don't even know. Like maybe you're, you probably can't get anything for him. I think like maybe you can get, you know, another guy kind of in his ilk of like an unproven guy in a rookie contract who you may need a change of scenery, but you're certainly not getting anything of value for him right now. If he has a, a solid series and starts to turn it around, um, you know, that at least turns him more into a, a net positive as opposed to like a net neutral guy. Yeah, I know the Celtics were the Celtics were pretty close to taking Darius Baisley over Williams in that draft, and that's yeah. that's one that I don't know could come back to bite them a little bit. Well, it's interesting that the the first uh, the first pick of the second round that year it'd be crazy to if you if you knew who it was, but do you have any idea of twenty of twenty nineteen nineteen? So, so three picks Grant, before Carson was it Bruce Brown? No, uh, Nick Claxton. Ah. Yeah. And he's the son of a former Celtic, I believe, too, isn't he? Is he? His dad know. is his dad is Charles Claxton, yeah, who played <laughs> who played three games for the Celtics in, in 1996. But um he's former Celtic nonetheless. But yeah, it's it's fine. I was just, just looking at that that draft right now, and you got you got Grant Williams and, and, and Carson Edwards is what you came out with there. And I mean there 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 aren't very many other huge names. I mean, like Taylor Horton Tucker was taken towards the end of that second round. Um, Bruce Brown was in there at like the thirties, right? Um, or is that the year after? I think it was Detroit took him after. Yeah, yeah, he might have been. Yeah, he might have been in the league for three years. Ga- Gafford was taken later in yeah. that second round. Isaiah Roby, who's who's actually yeah okay. Terrence Mann, who's who's doing pretty well with the Clippers. Uh, A lot of late bloomers. Yeah, one of the McDaniel's brothers, Jalen McDaniel's, was taking the pick after Tremont Waters. Um, whatever. I mean, we're not going to kill kill them over the, the late late first round. But again, and Kevin Porter Jr., Keldon Johnson, Jordan Poole, who's who uh, looked really good in that game against the Lakers. 
Yep. It's interesting. When you talk about a guy like Juan Toscano Anderson and Jordan Poole, guys who we see now in this Warriors team have are, are really kind of uh, showing themselves to be legitimate NBA players. And you wonder how much that, you know, the Warriors benefited from that one season where nothing mattered. Mm-hmm. Right. And the Celtics don't haven't had that. It's not I'm gonna call it a luxury. It's sort of a force. Luxury, <laughs> but, but to be able to just have a year where you just just play young guys and see who is worth keeping and who isn't that, that you want to build around. And uh, it's just interesting that, you know, they, they could benefit. The Warriors could benefit from that in the long term, especially if, if Wiseman turns into something or they're, they're able to trade Wiseman for 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 a piece that that helps them next year when when hopefully everyone is back healthy. But uh I digress. We got one more question left. Yeah. And, and to that point though, like all these guys have gotten shots though. I mean, again, Romeo has been snake bitten with injuries and stuff, but like, you know, Carson and both fears, like they've all had chances. Grant's had chance, Like they've, they just, you know, they're, they haven't been able to put together any kind of consistency. And Romeo's so another guy that yeah. we talk about his potential potential maybe uh, i mean definitely defensively like he's gonna get a chance like they're gonna throw him out there against you know harden at some point i'm sure yeah if we talk about recipes for maybe pulling off an upset like uh, you need neesmith <laughs> to be his best self on offense and you need romeo to be his best self on defense if those two guys could realize their potential in those two ends maybe you got it maybe you have a series but <clears throat> i'm not holding my breath no um okay so i guess we'll end on this like what what is uh what is the perfect storm like in the perfect storm for the Celtics? Not even to win the series, but I guess let's, we'll say push the series to like a competitive six or seven games. Like what, what happens? Like what, are, what's the key? Does an injury need to happen for Brooklyn? Does everyone just need to play really well from the role pieces? Does Tam just need to go for 50 in two games? Like what, what yeah. actually is the formula there? You need one all- injury, one yeah. injury. I'm going to, I'm not, not going to say rooting, but I think I think a KD injury would be ideal for the Celtics, not for humanity or anything. No, you know, just for that. for the for the Celtics winning or making a series, it's a Kevin Durant injury. Uh, anything that puts more pressure on Kyrie, I think, is probably good. Um, you need, yeah, you need Tatum to live at the line. Because not only are you getting those easy hoops, you're maybe getting some of these guys in foul trouble. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't see Steve Nash stressing about that too much. Like, th- I mean, th- those three guys, you would play with four fouls. You trust them to do that. But who knows if you can get them into some foul trouble. You need you need Kemba to be the guy you signed two summers ago. The, the guy who who you said was not you, the royal you said, okay, he's not, <laughs> he's not quite Kyrie, but what he can do with the intangibles that Kyrie can't will make up for it. And maybe he could help this team as much as Kyrie. You need that. You need that. You need Marcus smart to, you might need Marcus smart to hit some shots. Yeah. No, you, you, you need to use the okay, first threes. It, it's a, it's a fine line, right? Because it's like once Marcus hits some shots, that's when a lot of times you see him get out of himself a little bit and try to do too much. You need Marcus to, to stay healthy, obviously, but to be able to, to defend, you know, whether it's Harden or Kyrie, whoever he gets in a moment, given just the, the flow of the game, uh, you need that. Plus, you need him to hit some shots. You need Fournier to be the guy that we that looked very worthy. A guy who you say, who people have said, like, hey, you're paying a little less for Evan Fournier than you paid for Gordon Hayward. Like, maybe that's a good deal. You know, maybe, maybe he's not Gordon Hayward, but he can help in many of the same ways. You need Evan Fournier to do a Gordon Hayward impression. 
You need Tristan Thompson to, to, okay. The, one of the reasons you, you brought him in to begin with is because of his playoff experience. He's had a very forgettable regular season. Um, one that made it that I, mean, I think a lot of people wanted him gone at the, at the deadline, certainly over Tice, but maybe in the playoffs when you need someone that was willing to bust some heads, willing to make a hard foul. You don't think Jason, Jason Tatum's not going to be the guy to deliver a hard foul. It's not going to be Kemba. Maybe Marcus or Tristan, like maybe Tristan Thompson has to play the mook role, right? He's got to be that veteran who's not afraid to deliver a shot, to send a message, to get Brooklyn out of their comfort zone. You need Tristan to be that guy. Um, like I said, you need you need Romeo to be a defender. You need Neesmith to be a legit offensive player. Um, and if all that happens, I don't know, maybe you go six games. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I think that's it. I think that's the recipe. I think Tatum's got to be a first team because you know we t- we talked about maybe doing a draft, right? Yeah, you know, for for these rosters, I mean, certainly the way they're playing right now, there's very few people you'd want more than Jason Tatum. But like, I don't know. There's a chance. There's a chance that Jason Tatum's the fourth best player in the series. Oh yeah, there's a very high chance he's the fourth best so, player in the series. I mean, that's when the other team has the three best players. That's usually not good. Right. But but you need so you need Tatum to be probably a top two, Easily. at least at least. Um. Yeah. And I mean, from a, it's sad to, to say this from, cause no one wants to see injuries and stuff, but from like a chance standpoint, like just given Brooklyn's injury history this year for all their top three guys, like Harden, obviously he was only played one game since coming back from the hamstring. So that's, you know, I wonder if he's still in a minutes limit there, how they're going to handle that. Durant's had been banged up all year long. So you wonder about his durability at this point. So yeah, like that's, I mean, realistically, like you said, it's like, one of those guys, like something comes up where one of those guys is sideline. Kyrie, we know, has injuries all the time. Um, and like you said, it's it's everything else that you mentioned there. And I, I get the, the plus side is like not a lot of that stuff didn't happen in the Wizards game. But but Tristan Thompson did show up in the Wizards game, like 12 and 12. Um, yeah. You know, he missed free throws, but he did pretty much everything else right. And, you know, outplayed. A Wizards front line that had been playing very well in the last two months. So again, you can Tristan Thompson is very capable of outplaying Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, and that needs to that needs to happen regularly for things to be remotely competitive in this series. Yeah, no, like you said, it's it seems that you know just just by matter of circumstance that the Nets, I think, are planning or need to use this series to kind of play themselves into playoff shape. Right. This is like their warm up for for the real playoffs, I think, in their minds. Yeah. But if, if the Celtics can come out running and smack them in the mouth right off the bat and, and let them know, hey, you know, you got a series on your hands, like maybe again, that if if they can't do that, forget about it. Yeah. Uh so yeah, so so game one. Game one is the is, is the chance. All right, what's your what's the official rich winning plays prediction here? Uh the rich winning plays prediction is Nets in five. Yeah. Nets in five here as well. Um Potential, but I do think they take. I think they're going to win one of those first two games in Brooklyn. I think that's the one they're going to take, and then, and then things at the Garden will get, will turn into like Cleveland versus Celtics, like four years ago, whatever. Um, but that'd be fun. That at least give us something to talk about next week if they manage to take one of these first two. But yeah, again, do it for the pod, guys. Do it for the pod. Give, give us some, give us some interesting content for next week. So, um, hit us up at Winning Plays Pod uh, at Rich underscore Levine at Brandy Rob. Twitter, I'll be back writing at Mass Live uh, next week, um, officially off of paternity leave. So, um, hoping to actually have some interesting stuff 
on that front. And we'll be back with you guys early next week to react to uh, game one on Saturday night. So stay tuned for that.